Uh, g'day one, g'day one and g'day all. Welcome to another episode of Strange Days. Uh, this one I Max just put out yesterday, so I gather it's from about the 9th. It was just a recent interview he's had with Werewolf Podcast. Now, I haven't heard this podcast before. I'm not sure. Uh, it's number one. I've got a feeling this might be his first um, debut into the podcasting realms as an interviewer. So, um, or it's the first one for the year, I'm not sure, but the show will go into it. I haven't seen this one myself. I just listened to 30 seconds to get the volume right and get all the bells and whistles going sort of thing. And um, so I'm not sure where it's going to go, what it's about. I gather Max is going to do his bit of a history. He'll probably ask him at first, the usual thing with a bit of an interview. So anyone that knows Max is probably just going to be a bit rhetoric. But um, we'll see where he goes and what questions he's got to ask. And um, the whole thing goes for about an hour and 10 minutes. Unless I intervene here and there just to, if there's anything I usually feel that comes up when Max talks, that I like to add a little bit more to it or, um, yeah, just say my own little thoughts on something that uh, comes to mind. So anyway, guys, let's see where this goes. All new to me. So, um, yeah, as I said, he'll probably explain itself in the beginning of it, if this is his first um, podcast interview or it might just be the first one for the year. Either way, I haven't heard this guy before. I'm not sure what accent he is, um, but um, he's still understandable anyway. All right, well, um, let's go for the hour and ten and just see where it ends up and, um, and where this little journey goes. All right, guys, let's see where it goes. Welcome to the room. How you going, Minka? Just kicking off the the show, the shower. Welcome, audience, Arctos Mitzmash for 2024. I wish you a good year, and we welcome you to a new show, Werewolf episode number one. Um, interviewing dissidents, dissidents uh, this year, and uh, we are starting off this year with a guest that has never been on Arctos before. Who is in fact not um, somebody that would be directly associated with the dissident rights, even though his detractors like to place him there. Um, Max Eigen, um, famous among many people from thecrowhouse.com, so that's one word. Um, welcome to the show, Max. Please introduce yourself to our audience who will not be familiar with you. Thanks for having me on, brother. It's always nice to come and, and chat to new people. Yeah, my name is Max Egan. I'm from Australia, and uh, I've been doing this for quite a while, sort of trying to wake people up to the dystopia that we're headed into, and uh, which is becoming sort of pretty obvious to people now. And uh, it's just good to come and chat with uh, with someone new, and it's good to see people from all over the world stepping up and, and talking about this sort of stuff now. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yes, well, um, I'm interviewing you for an outfit called Arctos, which has been deplatformed uh, during the last year. So it's, an, uh, it's a European-based, Europe-based uh, publishing house that also does podcasts, generally associated with uh, the new right or the dissident right, although we ourselves uh, do not like that uh, label mostly. But um, we do see, I see, a need for um, a change of course over the last years. Um, a dissident's discourse has been held by Arctos since its inception, 2009, a little bit before that even. 
but um, it has focused on metapolitical issues and uh, identity related issues mostly also trying to recover some uh, lot literature but um, I see a different uh, priority right now. The Great Reset, uh, since 2020, let's say, uh, has changed the whole landscape of the dissident uh, movement uh, very, very drastically. Personally, and um, that's something shared by many of my colleagues, we are very disappointed in the development of uh, the dissident movement, uh, the dissident right movement, Eurasianist uh, right, uh, dissident movement because it doesn't address uh, many issues that now affect us. So, for example, the issues around um, globalization, but in the biotechnical uh, dictatorship form. Um, the medical dictatorship, of course, that has uh, gone on, and the brutalization of, um, let's say, the West, the brutalization internally through the death jabs, um, externally through massacres being perpetrated in uh, on the margins of the west or so the ukraine gaza now these things have never been properly addressed by the dissident right as a whole so another perspective on these very important issues that affect us all is very very important that's the reason i asked you to be our first guest for the the next for this year um, um perhaps uh, as a way of uh, finding out a little bit more about you it's interesting uh, for you to say something about where you are but i understood from um, your podcast you have actually escaped from your country australia to mexico um can you tell us something about that about how that was and why that happened well things were just getting kind of crazy in australia i mean i've been speaking out about this for 15 or 16 years and I was pretty sort of well known in the area and I just had intuitive feelings that, you know, it was time to leave. I mean, when all the lockdown happened and COVID happened and everything happened, I mean, I was kind of surprised at how compliant the people were, but I still kept speaking out about it. And uh, then I got deplatformed early 2020. I got uh, taken off YouTube, kicked off Facebook, sort of kicked off everywhere. And then the Australian government issued me with a gun license that I'd applied for 14 months earlier and forgotten all about and figured, well, obviously they're not going to give me my shooter's license. Then it suddenly arrived in the mail and I thought, why are they giving me a gun license after all this time? And I thought, okay, they're about to set me up and uh, do something and I just, I feel I should leave now. And I did. So I just had this intuitive feeling. I, I, I was going to go and then I thought, no, I won't. And I, I delayed it another couple of weeks, but the feeling was getting stronger and stronger. So I ended up just leaving. And uh, once I got to the United States and came to Mexico from the United States, like I was in the United States as well. And I was going to stay there for a month or so, but then I thought, no, I need to get to Mexico straight away. So I did. And the day after I came to Mexico, they changed all the visa situation. So. I would have only been able to get a 30-day visa had I left it another day instead of a six-month visa. And three days after I arrived in Mexico, uh, the police went around to my sister's place in Australia and said, we're, we're looking for your brother. We need to speak to him because he's been threatening to kill police officers. And I was just, no, I haven't done anything like that. I mean, I, I've been very outspoken about what they've been doing, but nothing what they said. And then uh, she said, well, no, he's gone. He went over to Mexico. And then a couple of days later, my bank accounts were shut down. So it was kind of interesting. They, they were definitely onto me. 
and definitely trying to silence me. And I just sort of left and thought, well, it's just dangerous to be here. I mean, I've been speaking out for so many years and the people have just been compliant, just going along with it. Nobody's really stood up. And so I think I need to go somewhere where I can continue speaking because if I stay, I'm going to get silenced. That's the thing. I mean, I'm not a, I mean, I'm 66 now. I'm not someone who's out there, you know, protesting and marching and shaking my fists in the street. It's just my voice. That's my weapon. So, and I can do that from anywhere in the world. And I thought if I stay, well, they're going to get all my contacts from my computers. And uh, that's, uh, that's the whole resistance in Australia. I mean, I've been interviewed by a lot of people. I've got a lot of contacts. And I thought, well, if they can give me a shooter's license and somehow set me up as a terrorist, I mean, having a shooter's license gives me the ability to be able to go and buy gunpowder, do all sorts of stuff. They could have easily set me up as someone who was making bombs or whatever. And then say, well, how did this guy manage to slip through the system and get the shooter's license and blah, 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 so that we need to tighten things up a little bit more, bring in a bit more surveillance, you know. And it also, if they could paint me with that brush, they could have painted the entire resistance on my contact list with the same brush. And I have a lot of people on my contact list, both in Australia and around the world. And I thought, well, if I stay and they actually, you know, I, I'd be a good one for them to get. I'd be a, you know, if I was them, I want to bring down someone like me because of my contact list and how they could paint me and what they could get away with. So I just thought, well, you know, it makes sense for them to do it. So time for me to leave before they do. And as I said, they, they came looking for me three or four days after I left. So it was pretty remarkable, the timing. And uh, like you say, I mean, it, there's been no real pushback. A lot of people have been talking about what's going on in the world and, and, uh, but there's been no real pushback, no real non-compliance. A lot of people are looking for political remedies, looking to be able to vote people in and vote people out and uh, petition their, their governments and stuff. As far as I can see, through the whole COVID scandemic and everything that they've done with these death jabs they've been giving people, whatever excuses the media is giving them or whatever, all of these governments in all Western countries have abdicated the privilege they had to govern all these politicians. They've done the wrong thing by all of our countries. I mean, all of them. They're all in abuse of office. They're all in breach of trust. Uh, we, can, we can see that they're people of no integrity at all. And it's time for us to question their validity. You know, if we're going to have government at all to replace the people in there now with people of integrity to lead this back to a point of safety. And we can't really do it within their guidelines and within their parameters because, I mean, they constructed this system. They're playing it to the hilt. You know, it's like your, your enemy's coming along and killing you and you're playing by his rules when he's not even playing by his rules. I mean, the legal system that's in place could deal with our governments and, and the abuse of trust and the abuse of office and everything that they're in. And the fact that we can't apply this to the government shows you, well, the legal system's constructed not to actually offer us a remedy in law, but to protect the politicians. And we need to, we need to address this. We need to look at what's really going on here because we're being played. All of our governments are being overrun with migrants. Uh, you know, they're, they're creating world conflict on an international stage, but they're also doing it in our own countries by bringing all these migrants into our countries and playing the people off against each other, destabilising our countries from within. You know, bring about their whole mass surveillance system, their, their whole globalist and new world order system that they want to bring in. And this is stuff we've been warning people about for years and years, and here it is now. 
And uh, if, if we just continue shaking our fists and petitioning and marching in the streets, rather than coming together as a people and refusing to comply with what they're doing, then we're just going to go where we're headed and that won't be a good place. So it's pretty important that people get some focus and, and realise the power that they have. And stop arguing over things with people. If people believe different things in a, in a truth movement or freedom movement or whatever, I've even suggested for many years that the term truth movement is a loaded term because the truth is no one really knows what the real truth is. You know, it's, it should be more of a freedom movement, you know, discovering the freedom, achieving the freedom to find out what's really going on here, the freedom to lead us back to a point of safety rather than, you know, arguing over our belief systems all the time, you know, just agree to disagree on the small issues. We can all agree that we're heading into a slavery system, that all of our governments are in breach of trust, they're all in abuse of office, and the only thing that's going to stop that is our refusal to comply with their dictates. And we can see that that's very easy to do because, as I said, they've all invalidated themselves under their own law just by the jab and everything they did with COVID, not to mention Gaza and all of that, which is a war crime in itself. The fact that a lot of our governments are supporting this genocide in Gaza, how are these valid governments? How are they valid at all? How can they value human rights? You know, and if they're going to allow that to happen to Gaza, then what plans do they have for us? I think it's a very important point that you brought up about um, talking points, dividing talking points. Um, in my introduction, I said, I was disappointed in the dissident movement, in many dissident voices, people who spoke out courageously, in my opinion, about many, um, let's say, hot item issues in the past, who were censored, who were kicked off uh, platforms like you were kicked off. They did fail in a big way, many people, uh, during the Great Reset. They did not speak out against the lockdowns. They did not speak out against, um, you call it death jabs, the facts. Um, they did not speak out, out afterwards. Um, against uh, the contrived conflict in Ukraine. They did not speak out. They don't speak out against the genocide in Gaza. Very big things that are happening around us. Um, these uh, failures, uh, they actually have broken, in my experience and in many people's experience, the so-called dissident right. So what once used to be called the European New Right Movement. Um, so aside from the platforming, it has been weakened not only externally by, by the platforming and the banking and so on, also internally by division and by losing credibility. Um, you are saying uh, the truth movement, so a, a bigger uniting uh, force is necessary. Certainly people around the world are waking up, uh, that's clear. New dissident voices are appearing everywhere. Um, and I think it's uh, very important that there is some kind of a common uh, denominator between them. I mean, um, if it is divided into small parts, uh, it is, tends to be ineffective. Now, I know from your side, you are a very, um, let's say, humble person who doesn't claim a leadership position, who doesn't organize, who believes in people uh, awakening themselves and uh, helping people in that, in that respect. How do you um, perceive leaders in dissident movements? Do you think it's possible for somebody to play the role of an elder, um, guide? Do you believe there is any authority uh, possible in this dissident movement? Look, it's, it's possible for someone to be an elder, I suppose, and offer creative advice. But ultimately, people need to lead themselves. People need to believe in the power of themselves. 
you know, like I've, I've often said, if people were to step into their moral compass, refuse to comply with any legislation which causes you to step outside that moral compass, we'd change the world. You know, it's the, the problem is that we, we, we see that there's a problem in the world. People waking up, like you say, and they see what well, is a problem, you know, whether it's Gaza, whether it's migrant issues, whether it's the Nord Stream pipeline, whatever it is, whatever the problem is, people make that as their focus. And then they go and they petition the government. They shake their fists. They march in the street with placards and they do all these things and they look. Oh, yeah. I just want to add there, guys. Welcome to the room all. Yeah, I've just not long begun. It goes for about an hour and ten all up. So we've got about 50 minutes roughly until he's um, finished this. I think this gentleman's a new interviewee. So I thought, oh, this would be interesting. I'm not sure of his accent, by go but going by the name of it, I'd say he's German um, with the name Werewolf Podcast, more than likely. But anyway, if it's a new one, well, I'd like to give him a go and I enjoy what Max has got to say. And it's only a new one just come out. So, yeah, all right. And we might have a call in line if anyone feels the need to do that. If not, I'll wrap it up and keep it um, clean just on this. Okay, let's get back into him. Might take a bit longer if I decide to have a little bit of a rant here and there if something comes up as well, which I like to do with Max. And look for a leader. Rather than simply changing their own perspective. And like I said, when you can understand that, that our governments have literally invalidated themselves by all the crimes they've committed. You know, we can... We can debated we can sit here and we can tie ourselves up in red tape we can do little legal challenges and all sorts of stuff or we can simply call a spade a spade and call it for what it is these people are criminals exhibit a the earth look what they have done to this place look what they've done to our economies look what they've done to the world in the last four or five years this isn't a mistake this isn't because of a virus. This isn't because of anything like that. It's because of these politicians right around the world in all countries colluding with each other to move us into this great reset. I mean, as soon as COVID came out, there was the book by Klaus Schwab, COVID-19 and the Great Reset. They literally tell us what they're doing. And yet at the same breath, they tell us that oh, it's this legal system and if you want to challenge us for it, you've got to do it by certain channels. How about we just call you out as the criminals that you are? And realise that you know you put all this stuff in place, all this red tape in place to prevent us from ever being able to hold you to account. Well, that time's over because there's billions of us. We're going to put down all of our stuff with each other, stop arguing about things, That's right. and simply get back on with our lives. Even with what's going on in in the Netherlands and stuff, with the shutting down of the farming system in the Netherlands, it's all very well for the farmers to go and protest in their tractors. What they should be doing is getting back on with their farming, just doing what they do. And, and get a number, get a hotline, so that if the government comes to shut any of them down, they've just got to dial one number and suddenly there's a flash mob. Everybody goes there, all the other farmers, people from the city. Good thinking, Max. go there and we tell these, these politicians these ideas, and these police to go away. Because they're not serving us anymore. And until we identify that fact, we're not going to change anything. I mean, it, it's all so blatant now, and it's also in your face, all of this. We can see the corruption. We can see just how far they... This is what I like about Max. He's not just, you know, loom and gloom and things of this way. He's a man of ideas, and I really appreciate him, that in someone, especially this day and age. We, we all can parrot and talk about the loom and gloom and the way that things are. But we also need people out there to give us some freaking fresh ideas, something that we might not think of, and something just so damn simple that it's just staring us in the face. This is the sort of um, talk that I really enjoy. They're prepared to 
taken by what's going on in Gaza, by what they've done with all of our countries. Thousands of food processing plants burned down across the United States. The, the migrant influx into Europe, so many things that they've done to our countries. We can see it now. To me, this is a great opportunity for us to realise that there is no law. What, what we perceive as, as governments and nations is, is quite literally an international, multi-generational criminal cabal masquerading as a system of governments and nations. And it's basically taken everybody's autonomy away from themselves. I mean, that's what the European Union was all about, to take individual autonomy away from countries so they could flood Europe with migrants. You know, it's all been part of an ongoing plan. And we can see now that if law exists, then these people should not be in office and we should be able to hold them to account. So if we put down our tools, go there and say, hey, you guys get out of the building and we're calling the police, we want you arrested. But we can't do that because the police work for the politicians and the legal system works for the politicians. So it shows you that there is no law other than the law that we make, you know, which should be natural law. And natural law says that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You know, whatever happens, you do something, there are consequences for what you do. These people have done terrible, terrible things to the world and they're continuing to do so. Even climate change, the whole concept that we need to reduce our carbon footprint. All life on Earth is carbon-based life. We are carbon-based life. We are the carbon they want to reduce. And there's actually a carbon shortage on the Earth now. If we reduce carbon too much more, all the forests are going to start to die. That's right. We live on carbon. They've, they've even got um, greenhouses now that actually pump carbon in to increase the um, yield. So, you know, do you remember a few years ago it was always um, global warming? You notice they don't use that terminology no more. They picked the wrong time to do it when we were entering a solar minimum, didn't they? So they sort of stabbed them, themselves in the foot. So what's the next best thing that happens naturally throughout all of the freaking... Um, time that Earth's been here, climate change. Well, well, well. I wonder, ebb and flows of oceans, ice ages come and go. I guess climate does bloody change, eh? I mean, hello, Einstein. It ain't rocket science. And on a different note, I've got some really great news for everyone. Well, I think it's great news. I'm actually, for the first time in years, I'm going to put in a permanent slot on Podbeam. That's right. Finally got my finger out my bum. And um, 10 p.m. South Australian time, Adelaide time, if you want to search that up on your clock. Or if you want to put it in your notes, it would be approximately five hours and 10 minutes from now. It will be a permanent slot, South Australian, Ozman Live. There we go, guys. We're evolving. The Oz, the man, the whole lot, and South. Can't forget him. We're evolving. So, very excited about this little thing. I've been always wanting to do it. Finally going to do it, guys. I think this is a good move. I'm really, yeah, really excited about it. How do I feel? Excited. One more time. The world is being depopulated right under our eyes because we believe we are, uh, we, we've got to obey by these illegal dictates that these parasites, these criminals, these politicians have all put in place. And I see it as an opportunity for us to wake up us to wake up and realise we don't need parents. We need to grow up. We need to take responsibility for ourselves and call these people out for what they are. I mean, there's billions of us. We could do it without violence even. We could just say, hey, we're not doing this anymore. We're taking the world in this direction now. If they choose to get violent with us for wanting to stand in, in who we are, 
Well, yeah, then we could respond with some counter-violence if that's necessary. But the violence shouldn't come from us, and there's no need for it to. All we've got to do is grow up and stop complying with our own slavery. That's what I've been telling people for like 16 years. I was screaming it from the rooftops in Australia, which is why I ended up having to leave, because the people just, they hear it, you know. They see the problems, even with a lot of the people in the freedom movement, the resistance movement, the dissident movement, whatever you want to call it. They see the problem, and they get there and they march in the street, and they believe that by doing that, they've made a difference. I'll say, well, there's a problem here. Someone should fix it, but not me. I don't want to have to change anything in my life. When really, if you do change your perspective and how you apply yourself to the world and the people around you, we change the world in a day. And don't be afraid of who and what you are. It's time to stand up. It's time to stand up for your children, stand up and call things for what they are. If law exists, all these politicians are guilty. And if we can't take them out of office and replace them with people of integrity, then that shows you that there is no law. So perhaps we need to take this situation in hand. Can't help but thinking we have crossed some critical juncture in the last years. I'm used to working with um, the dissident movement for many years uh, in an intellectual discourse, in metapolitics, so-called, in um, helping political projects as well. And I've seen many people active in those, strand in them, fail in them. Um, and I do think we are now in a kinetic phase, in a, in a physical phase, a phase in which um, that what we oppose, um, let's call it, call it the combine, it's a beautiful term, of course, from uh, a famous American movie, The One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I like that one, uh, the combine. So finding the combine, it has shifted to um, physical measures, physical uh, interventions on a very basic level, so in your own body, injections to be put in your own body, and killing, killing on a very large scale maybe on the margins of Europe as yet, um, uh, publicly, that is, on the television. And I think um, you always do um, a good thing. You say, listen, this is a physical affair. You are here on this world. It's not just in the idea, in the realm of ideas that you need to be um, aware. It is also in the, in the, in the physical reality. I uh, see you always walk around the, the so-called sacred garden um, in Acapulco, where you do um, walkabouts, um, giving people very interesting insights and you mix them with interesting clips. I advise people to look at them. Um, but uh, something struck me. And when you returned to Mexico lately, the garden was destroyed. Um, and I couldn't help the irony of it. You're you are showing the public a different life, right? The life of the natural world a bit in a garden shape and uh, allowing people a different view. But that, that same garden where you do that was destroyed. Can you tell us something what happened there? I, I find it quite interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I was away in San Diego and remarkably I gained intuition again, like when I left Australia, it was just this calling that I had to leave. I was in San Diego, I'd gone up there to do uh, a talk and I was going to fly back to Acapulco that day, and I just had a thought, no, I might go to Texas for a couple of days. So I changed my flight, and I went to Texas. And that night, there was a hurricane that hit Acapulco. And this was uh, it was remarkable. This was one of the fastest, if not the fastest, uh, rapidly intensifying hurricane in history. It was just a tropical storm in the afternoon, and then by midnight, it was a Category 5 hurricane. 
and it hit Acapulco. And they were told that it was like, it was intensifying, and it might hit at five o'clock in the morning. It actually hit at one o'clock in the morning. There was no warning. It hit the coast directly where my house is, which was remarkable. And it destroyed everything around the place and destroyed the secret garden. And uh, like I said, I was supposed to be home that night, but uh, I didn't come. So that was kind of remarkable. Uh, then all sorts of stuff happened. I ended up away for two or three weeks before I ended up back in Acapulco. And it's still recovering around here now. And they're still rebuilding a lot of the secret garden. I mean, a lot of it was destroyed. Uh, all the little huts and the little tambos and stuff they had there were all destroyed pretty badly. But uh, it's it's coming along. It's uh, it'll give them a chance to, to rebuild it and to have it reborn. Interesting. We're doing the uh, Anakapulco conference in February, and that has been uh, titled Reborn this year. And that was given that name Reborn back in uh, August or September. And uh, then in October, late late October, we had the uh, the hurricane. And everything here is being reborn now. The secret garden is being reborn. Everything is being reborn and rebuilt. So it's quite remarkable that that was the title of the conference this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been pretty devastated, the whole area. But it, it shows you as well, I mean, it's very difficult to knock humankind back. You know, a little bit of destruction comes along, and really it's an opportunity to rebuild. You know, a lot of people thought everything was going to be dead in the area from everything that happened. And it's all, all the trees are growing back. It's all greening up again. It's all looking good again. So it gives you an opportunity to sort of shake out of the, the lethargic nature that we get into. And realize how temporary everything is as well. You know, we could literally change the world as quickly as that hurricane changed Acapulco if we were to apply ourselves to the world. You know, so there's lessons in all this stuff. You know, I see it all as opportunity and really when you look at the the hurricane that happened to Acapulco how much it destroyed it it's brought all the community together if you could take that out on a grander scale I mean look at the last three years of what COVID's done and all these wars have done and how it's just like the hurricane and it's been stretched out over three years but it's given us the opportunity if we were to seize this opportunity and see what the real problem is we could step into our power we could come together as a community and stand up and fix things you know, and, and Acapulco, what happened here, it's brought a lot, a lot of people together. You know, even people that had their differences within the community have all been helping each other. It's, it's, uh, it's been great in many ways. Perhaps, you know, sometimes you need this sort of a shake-up to bring a community back together, you know. And when you look at it, like I said, on a world stage, well, we've had a pretty good shake-up. So perhaps we can see this as an opportunity to bring us all together. Um. What I also uh, find remarkable um, about, important about your work is that you're trying to give people a different perspective on things that they are taught to assume. So realities on history, realities in geography, you say, let's keep an open mind on these things. Um, I think that's very important because if you have a large perspective change, you can also look at things that are very close and change perspective on them as well. Um, one of the things that's obviously happening is that the, our our masters, let's say our would-be masters, combined is trying to impose something the same. They are trying to manipulate the way people look at reality. Uh, not only we have this bubble, this media bubble, uh, that forces people to look at certain things and 
imposes certain ideas on people or conditions them into a certain kind of way of thinking. Um, but I think it's it's shifting, and I like your opinion about it because what I see is that, um, especially the conflict in Gaza lately, it's an unprecedented event. Actually, it is a genocide playing out real real time in front of cameras. Now, of course, in the West, this is quite sanitized. Um, still, uh, some of it filters through. On the other hand, in the so-called global South, these things are being watched by millions or probably billions of people. And these people follow these events, uh, probably terrified and horrified and very angry on their screens. Do you think there is some purpose behind this? Do you think that this combine is actually trying to desensitize us, to dehumanize us by forcing people to watch real time, helpless events that are at the level of, let's say, what they themselves always sell as the Holocaust narrative? I mean, an unprecedented event uh, of a horror quality that's hard to imagine. Do you think there is some programming behind it? There is there is some plan behind it on a cognitive level. What do you think? I do in, in many ways. Uh, I think they are trying to desensitize us. And I think that they, they want to bring this to the rest of our country as well. I mean, if you're going to allow this to happen, I've often said Palestine is the greatest moral dilemma in the world today. And if we don't face ourselves enough to heal this problem, then the way of Palestine will be the way of the world. And they're showing us what they're capable of doing and what they intend to do to us. I also think they're doing it so openly because they intend to destroy Israel. Even Henry Kissinger said that in 10 years from now, Israel won't, won't exist. A lot of what's happened in Ukraine has been about depopulation. You're finding a lot of Jewish people now moving to Ukraine. Zelensky's a Jew. He's even offered them uh, refuge in Ukraine. And I would suspect that's where they intend to uh, move most of the Jews too. Uh, there's a there's a big play going on here. Like even when you, you break down, you look at the Nord Stream pipeline. The way they broke that down, they they stopped a lot of power going to Europe. Um, they've broken down world trade all through the place. There's a, there's also the Ben Gurion uh, Canal that they want to build through northern Gaza, which will replace the Suez Canal. And Ukraine is one of the main uh, food bowls in the world, produces a lot of grain. You look at the Chinese One Belt, One Road initiative, how they want to set up the, the, basically the new Silk Road, which is going to be running through Ukraine, which is going to be running through Israel. Israel is supposed to be one of the main ports of trade for that, of course, it would be. And if they can bypass Egypt and get rid of the Suez Canal, which is a huge source of income, well, Egypt, the Suez Canal, because of the amount of trade that goes through there. If they can open a canal in competition to that, they'll cut off a lot of funding to Egypt. They'll get control of the Middle East. They'll get control of all of Northern Africa by depriving them of the income that they get from the Suez Canal. And you, know, you look at the One Belt, One Road. You look at the strategic position of Ukraine. There's a lot of reasons why this is going on. And uh, a lot of people aren't seeing it, but... but also, the genocide that they're carrying out in Gaza, I've often said what you're seeing in West Bank and Gaza Strip is a system of warehousing and surplusing human beings. And they're showing you exactly what they intend to do with the rest of our countries as well. I mean, you will comply 
or you will end up like the people in Gaza and the people in West Bank. But they want to take over all of Egypt. They, I mean, all of uh, all of Palestine. They want it all to become Israel. And a lot of it ties in with this whole Belt and Road initiative from China. So you're going to see, and you're seeing a lot of countries, like you're seeing BRICS come online. A lot of countries are wanting to join this new Chinese financial system. And I've often said that the only way to bring down the United States is to bring it down from within. That's how to bring down all Western countries, really. But the United States has maintained its position with all the wars that it's fought and all the damage it's done around the world. It's been able to maintain its position as quality of life because it holds the position as the world reserve currency. And I predicted that this was about to change. When Biden uh, blocked Russia from using the world reserve currency because uh, Russia had gone to war with Ukraine, this was unprecedented. Suddenly you had a, a hundred countries around the world looking at this going, oh, hang on a minute, you're going to tell us that we can't buy anything if we don't comply with US directives, well, that, that's not a responsible way to run a reserve currency. I mean, even when World War II was going on, they didn't block Germany or, or anybody from using the world currency because that's the world currency. You know, for them to do it like this with Russia because they don't like the invasion into Ukraine, this was done in order to undermine world conference. Yes, yeah, sir, I've got to catch up a bit. It's just a way, i just got something happening here at the moment. Sorry if you can hear me in the background. Um, Yes, I'm not sure where he's at here. Just well, been away for a few minutes. In the US dollar has been the world currency, which paved the way for BRICS to happen. You know, like I said, when you can think of the world as one criminal cabal, it's just one big criminal cabal of, of families all working together. Who wants to be the enemy this year? Ultimately, they're all working together for the common goal. The the system in China, the system of social crediting, the mass surveillance system in China. This is the great reset. This is what they want in Germany. It's what they want in America, what they want in England, what they want everywhere, what they want in Australia. They want this everywhere. That's already in place in China. But how do you bring that into the world and make it believable? Do it in such a way that it seems like it was just a natural series of events. You know, you look at what's been going on in Donbass in, uh, in Ukraine. That's been going on for seven or eight years before Russia actually stepped in. Russia could have gone and stopped that at any time. Russia went into Donbass and invaded Ukraine, which wasn't really what we're told at all. At the perfect time, just as the COVID narrative was breaking down and they needed an excuse to depopulate the country and to shift attention. They needed an excuse to start funneling money out as well. I mean, so much money has been funneled out of the United States back to the politicians in the United States, basically laundered through Ukraine. You know, I've often said that one of the things that the United States does is it makes lots and lots of weapons. These weapons have a shelf life. You can't just keep them there and, and not use them. And it hasn't had a decent war for a long time. All the money that it sends to Ukraine, Ukraine, they, they just give it an open checkbook. They don't give it pallets of money. You know, they give it an open checkbook. They give it credit, billions of dollars worth of credit. Ukraine spends all that money on U.S. weapons. They all get shipped to Ukraine. Ukraine puts them in a stockpile and Russia comes along and blows up the stockpile with one bomb. We've seen this happen a couple of times. So they're just getting rid of all the old stock. All of the money they're sending to Ukraine is getting spent directly back to US companies and it's going to politicians. They're basically laundering so much money out of the US economy through Ukraine back to themselves and their weapons manufacturers. 
you know, and, and now they're, they're taking it out to the rest of the world as well. And with what's going on in, in Gaza, I mean, you've got Israel genocide in Gaza, trying to get away with that, desperately trying to escalate it into a major conflict around the world as well, which will crash the US economy, crash the dollar. The US can't defend itself against China and Russia and any of this sort of stuff. They're trying to bring Iran into the, the situation in Gaza. You know, who did it? They're, they're bombing Lebanon, they're bombing Syria, they're bombing Yemen, they're bombing Gaza, and they're crying victim the whole time, trying to get Iran involved, which will get Russia and China involved, which will crash everything and suddenly bricks will come out on top, one belt, one road, the whole system will be in place and it will look like it was a naturally occurring thing. You know, they've got to make it, all this stuff, they've got to make it in a way that the people believe it and can't see that this is this is order out of chaos. This is how they want to do it. You know, the best way to bring in their great reset is to basically have the system crash around everybody and then come in to save them with this new wonderful idea that they've got, you know. The way they created the wonderful idea of the United Nations to stop all wars. You know, and we've had more wars since the creation of the United Nations. We've had an Earth's recorded history prior to that point. You know, so they do all these things to make it look like they're the saviors. It's all problem, reaction and solution. Hegelian dialectic, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. That's the way it works. And that's what all this is about. But if you can step back and look at it and put it all on a world stage and think of all of the nations as being part of the same criminal club, then it all begins to make sense. When you think of it as, as competing nations, it doesn't make sense. And even if nations go to war, like if, if Germany goes to war with France, what happens? Well, they don't bomb the government yeah. buildings. They bomb all the people. So the people think that there's a war. And then the leaders get together and they shake hands at the end of it and suddenly the war is over. Yeah, but the people think that there was a war because they got bombed. Yeah, it's a scam. The whole thing's a scam and they all work together. So uh, once you can look at things that way, everything begins to make sense. And you know, for them to want to change everything so radically with this whole Belt and Road idea, digital currency, um, you know, everything, one world currency, one world system, it's a really, really radical change, this great reset. Want you to stop eating meat, stop traveling, stop doing this, stop doing that. They want everyone in their 15 minute cities, electric cars, everything under control. How are you going to bring that in place without people just having a violent revolution? Like I said, you've got to do it in a way that looks believable by putting countries off against each other, facing off against each other, playing the people off against each other, playing the governments off against each other, and making people think that it's, it's just all the way things happened when it's actually all been planned and they just got to make it look believable and they're, they're very good at it. They've done uh, years and years of practice. I think it's interesting uh, you say, explaining the thing, the whole event cycle as a dialectic um, program in a way, a dialectic um, logic is, is definitely there. And uh, you said the way of Palestine is the way of the world. Um, I agree with you. It's kind of a litmus test for um, loss of agency on the part of groups and individuals. Um, see how far people have been pushed, um, how far a terror state can be implied, how far audiences uh, are willing and able to witness it. Um, it makes me wonder about the tentacle, the, the end state that the combine let's say our would-be overlords envisage. What are they looking towards? Now, one of the thoughts that occurred to me is that it seems like they are actually taking a leaf out of the book of 
Agamben, it's a, it's a social, sociologist and a, a thinker from Italy. He's still alive. He was one of the very few people that spoke out against the Great Reset. And he said it's a uh, biotechno, uh, bio-totalitarian system that they are that is being implemented on a world scale. Um, control of the naked being, the na naked life. It's a little bit philosophical uh, way he looks at it, but kind of like a, um, I guess the word you could probably even use is a technocracy um, sort of um, empire or governance. Nevertheless, with very tangible, very physical effects. And I wonder about uh, your... Another interesting one's in Revelations 18.23 where it talks about Big Pharma pretty much um, in that verse as far as I can break it down um, by the magics, by the pharmaceutica, the whole world was deceived. So if you look at the big powers, you've got the petro dollar, you've got the big pharma dollar as well. Combination between that and um, ongoing sort of uh, the communist push of Marxism and um, communism, um, which also socialism can um, develop quite quickly into if even a socialistic sort of a government was um, formed. Unfortunately, these things can happen. So it's sort of like a techn te technocracy, the big boys with the um, oil bankers and the um, pharmaceutical companies, you know, sort of a big combination of the cabal with the bloodlines, of course. Of the so cabal. he says, Agamben says, um, the ideal model of the modern West, the modern state, it is the concentration camp. The concentration camp of total control and um, of total conditioning. How, how, do you, uh, how do you assess the end state uh, that our would-be overlords, the combined um, plans for us. Well, the 15-minute cities and the electric cars, I mean, this is essentially a concentration camp. You concentrate pockets of civilization. You'll get to the, you, you can't travel outside your 15-minute zone because your electric car won't work once you get outside, GPS trackers on it. You'll find your digital currency won't work when you're outside your digital zone. Uh, you'll find that if you've spoken out against the government, then what you can buy will be limited. Your travel will be limited. Everything can be limited once they implement this whole smart grid. You know, that's what the concentration camp will look like. But you know, ultimately, they want, they want the West destroyed. They don't want the... Uh... I've heard in the Americas, I'm not sure, I haven't looked at it myself, but um, they say that the way the Walmarts are being built, they're being built for, um, for the upcoming um, police state and um, concentration camps which is um, a high possibility. Um, I'm not sure, like I said, I haven't looked into it, but they say that the way that the, even the wiring has been built around them, if you analyse that the wiring has been built, um, I mean the fencing, has been built in such a way that it's actually um, inverted. In other words, it's to keep people in, not to keep people out. That might be something you Americans can look into there. Uh, the, the culture of Europe to be there anymore. I've spoken about this very, very often. Uh, they want to breed everybody into coffee-coloured people so that there's no racism anymore. Everybody's basically the one race. And uh, they want to eliminate Europe. What he's talking about here is he's just going to say Europe as well. Sorry, I paused it at the wrong time. I try to look for a break, which um, always goes back to Adam Hall called the Kalergi Plan, K-E-R-L-E-G-I. Um, you can go look that up. It's um, nothing hidden there. You can do a search on the internet about the Kalergi plan. You'll see what's happening to Europe and why. Europe as we know it. Um, 
and turn everybody it's, it's all about commerce it's all about just just everybody being a product and you're know, consuming and doing what you're told and being tracked and traced and if you really look at it a little deeper it's about you know control of your soul so that you you forget what it means to be a human being you take all individual creative input away from the experience and all of that energy gets funneled to them and they just control everything on a little maze of ants. Then they can go off and enjoy the world and do whatever they want to do and eat whatever they want and rake, pillage and plunder and do whatever they want while everybody else is completely under control. That's what they're heading for and that's always been the plan. And that's the 15-minute the cities, the smart cities, the electric vehicles and the digital currency, this is the concentration camp. I've often said to people, throw away your smartphone because the smartphone is the new world order. You know, and this is what it's leading to, this whole smart technology. Where, like you know, like I said, you say something against the government, suddenly you go to buy a plane ticket and you find that you can't. You can't buy a plane ticket anyway because of your carbon credits, your carbon points aren't up high enough. You know, you've got to save up a certain amount and do certain things and whatever because this whole concept of carbon is bad for you. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, they've got people to believe that we are our own worst enemy. We are causing climate change. We... Oh, g'day for those in the room. I'll just recap everything. Um, we're at just nearly the 42-minute mark. She's just gone past it. It goes for an hour and 10. So do your maths there, and that's how long we got. <coughs> and then I'm, I'll um, graciously open up a um, call-in line if anyone would like to call in for about 30 minutes, and we can have a bit of a yarn on anything that's brought up or anything you'd like to talk about. Um, yeah, so we'll go from there. Just letting you know if you want to come back, if you're not interested in this and just feel like having a yarn about anything in particular or anything that's been brought up on this interview, yeah, hang around, guys, and um, we'll have a little bit of a chin wag, a yarn. We are the threat to ourselves simply by our daily actions. Recently, there was a UN report that was suggesting that uh, breathing is causing CO2 problems, is causing climate change. So you breathing is the problem. You're causing climate change because you're breathing. So we have to stop you breathing. That's going to save your life. It's going to save humanity if everybody stops breathing. It's ridiculous, the sort of stuff that they're trying to sell people. You know, So they've got us to believe that, that everything they're doing to lock us down is to protect us and to ensure our continued existence. Really, it's just stealing your soul and stealing everything that it means to be human from you and uh, taking over the world for themselves. The people who are running this really want to depopulate a lot of the people, like six billion people they want gone. Even when you look at Georgia Guidestones, they want the population reduced down to 500 million. You know, at the moment, it's about 8 billion. So you're looking at, at you know, they're, they're rumbling off figures at the moment saying 6 billion will be gone by 2025, hopefully by 2030, you know, and they want their whole system fully in place by 2050. So you think about all this. I mean, and, and again, it's only happening because we're complying with it all. We're just doing what we're told and, and believing all this narrative about climate change and all the rubbish that they're sending us. I mean, according to, to Al Gore, he, he said in, uh, in 1995 or something that... Uh, um, the whole place would be underwater by the year 2000. Here we are 24 years later and they're trying to push it again. Now they're saying everything's going to be underwater by 2050 if we don't do something about climate change. It's rubbish. It's completely rubbish. The, the sea levels haven't changed in years and they, they don't look like they're going to. And like I said, 
Yeah, just um, answering in the room. Yeah, I wouldn't so much call this interview a conspiracy. There's some speculation for sure. But um, what he's actually talking about is actually what's happening now and what's being built around us or their plans to be built around us. And um, so these are some serious times, really, uh, more than actually conspiracy theories. But um, that's the perspective I see where Max comes from anyway. And I like him, like I said, he at least gives you some ideas along the way instead of just the usual loom and gloom that a lot of people do with no um, thoughts of um, action or um, things that we can actually do ourselves, you know. So that's why I really enjoy some of his talks. So there's actually a carbon shortage on Earth. So, you know, but it's just the programming. People believe we're our, our enemy. We're the enemy of everything. And uh, it's all been done by government. And like I said, I see this as an opportunity to get rid of these people just just by by refusing to comply with what they're saying and calling them out and questioning what they're doing. Turn off your televisions. For God's sake, anybody out there that's got a television, get rid of those things. Get rid of the, the media and the television. Connect with your community. Support the people around you. And, you know, we'll, we'll see the way out of this is actually quite simple. If we could just stop shaking our fists and protesting and saying someone else should fix it and believing that we're making a difference by you know, signing a petition or something. And you know, stop participating in your own slavery. Everybody does that and we change the world. Okay, so we looked at it now from the point of view of, let's say, our rupee masters, the combined people that, if you can call them that, people who want to rule and who want to implement that system. Now let's look at the subject, so, so, so the masses, the people, the, the common people, let's say, the people that are supposed to be the work cattle or... Yeah, there was a study done a few years ago um, in the room if, um, about that um, people dying more of cold than heat. There was an interesting one that was brought on about heart attacks in um, England. They say it uh, mainly occurs on a Monday, especially Monday mornings because of the subways and that um, people are quite warm over the weekend in their little houses and stuff, and they get out and it's the shock of the cold to the, um, to the body um, that goes from the ears down. But um, that could be a bit of a woohoo study, I'm not sure, because I know a lot of people that actually practice ice therapy and water, cold water therapy, so I'm not sure if those studies are legit, but that's apparently what they come up with regarding the cold. Yeah, Monday's the, that's the reason they put Monday as the main heart attack there, over there. Or whatever cattle on the farm, um, the sheep. Um, if I look at the last years, and many people with me have noticed the same, there is a, a, a change in how the big masses um, are able to perceive. Yeah, I brought that up, especially around the solar minimum when they brought in that um, propaganda about um, global warming. Yeah, I just brought that up earlier, actually. Funny you mentioned that. If even. I, I would say... And not to the good a shift has occurred. On the one hand, there is a growing awareness, I think, of many issues uh, that people were not aware of before. It's being forced upon people, this awareness. On the other hand, there is this um, fatalistic, sheeple-like uh, disappearance of people into virtual reality in, in, in a big way, in a big mass, which, which fits into that program, that program that's being set up for us that farm, uh, intensive farmhouse model, that concentration camp model. Um, I hear you uh, one time in one of your podcasts saying, I'm sometimes shocked at uh, 
the level of the stupidity and evil in comments that I get to a podcast I make about important subjects. Um, meaning that even you see that uh, response to good ideas and to emergency situations doesn't always seem to be happening. doesn't always seem um, to be uh, going in the right direction. What is, your, what is your take on the development of collective consciousness, if, if I could say so? I mean, human being individually has, uh, is, is just a project, yes, we are all developing, but there is also such a thing as a collective, uh, collective development is possible probably. But how, what is your take on that? On the development of, let's say, the masses, the people that are subject to this globalist program? I see, I see a huge awakening collectively. But again, you know, people, are, a lot of them are shocked by what they see. And uh, it, it scares them. And what scares them most is the fact that there is nobody really in charge. And they may have to take charge themselves for their own life. People are terrified of their own power is, is one of the biggest problems that we've got. I've often said in, in Western culture, there's no point that we get to in life where suddenly you become an adult. You know, like if you're an American Indian, there'll be some tribal thing that you do. In, in Mexico, you either have a quinceanero or a quinceanera for, for a boy or a girl. When you turn 15, now you've got to take responsibility for yourself. Now you're an adult. You know, we don't have that in a lot of Western countries. You know, suddenly we look in the mirror one day and we're like 30 years old and we go, well, I wonder if I'm an adult yet. I guess I am. I've got lines on my face, you know. And so we never really grow up. We never get to that period where, where we don't need parents is the problem. And even when people wake up to the fact that something's going on, I mean, perhaps they listen to my podcast or they listen to your podcast or something, and suddenly it's a, it's a, the penny drops and they, they see that they've been living a lie. They can see the matrix for what it is, see the control group. And then they think, well, you know, if I, if I support Max, then I can hold his coat and he'll save the world for me. You know, they don't realize it's about them. It's about us. This is why I finish every radio show with In Luck Cash. I am another yourself. We are living. Oh, I just had someone. Emmanuel, can you just wait, mate? I'm going to, um, we've still got about another 20, yeah, just run, just yeah, right, pretty much on twenty minutes, and then I'll have some call-ins. I'm just letting this interview finish. Yeah, thanks, mate. Literally each other, and if we can just learn that and respect each other and stand up for what we are, realize that we all have value. We're all born with value. It doesn't matter what your skills are, how much money you have, or anything like that. But as a a fragment of consciousness, just a spark of consciousness, as a thought in the mind of God, whatever you perceive that to be you have value as much as anybody else. And you're here for a reason, otherwise you wouldn't exist. That should be really inspiring. And, and every everything that, that happens in the world, any, everything good or anything bad that's ever been created by man, ultimately came from the spark of an idea in the mind of a single human consciousness. And we're all capable of doing that. That's very, very inspiring. And that, that's what this time is. It's a time for us to collectively to stand up for, for what we see before us and to simply believe in ourselves. And I'm seeing a lot of that. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people realizing that. I'm also, unfortunately, like I said, I'm seeing a lot of people seeing the problem and then looking for a leader going, oh, my God, I see the matrix now for what it is and going into fear rather than seeing it as an opportunity. Sure, it's a, it's a concern and you should be concerned about it. 
but don't be in fear of it. Even with everything that's happening, the whole slavery system, it's going to crash. I mean, the system's going to crash pretty, pretty dramatically, but there's nothing really to fear about the crash of the slavery system. As long as you have your life skills together, and I've often said what you've got to be able to do is, is face infinity without flinching. And that is to be able to face uh, an infinite amount of possibilities in the next moment. Anything could happen. And you need to be able to adapt to that and be able to get on with your life and do what needs to be done. That's the path of the warrior. Yeah, well, we tried to tell people, mate, about the mask situation in the room. Um, yeah, yeah, we tried to tell people bacterial pneumonia is one. And if the virus was real, um, the size of it would be like trying to stop an allergy that I always use, trying to stop a mosquito with a um, chicken wire fence. So that's pretty much how it works there. It's all to do with slavery, mate. It's all to, um, it's a psychological thing more than health. To face infinity without flinching. And uh, that's what it's kind of coming to. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people becoming aware, like I said, but uh, through it, a lot of them aren't really becoming aware of themselves. And that's what this is an opportunity to do. I mean, a lot of them are as well. And the more you can lead by example, even with what I do with these interviews, I always try to keep it inspiring. And when I do my radio shows, I mean, I'm bringing a lot of negative information to people. But, you know, I, I try to help them understand that they need this information in order to bring about positive change. And to bring about positive change, all you've got to do is shift your perspective of how you interact with other people and how you perceive other people. That's right. That's right. Lead by example. The other thing as well is, guys, a, a simple smile. Do you know the ripple effect? They've done studies on one smile just even in a shop or passing someone. The average ripple effect of that one smile goes sevenfold. Just that one smile. Now, if that goes sevenfold, what happens to those seven people that they that bounces off as as well? Another seven people. A smile, you'd be surprised what a, just a genuine smile that someone will do as a ripple effect. There's just one little thing we can do in our lives. Once you do that and you perceive them as yourself, imagine if we all did that. Imagine if everybody suddenly respected the people around them and refused to comply with anything which caused them to step outside their moral compass. We would literally change the entire world in a single day. It would be that quick. You wouldn't actually have to do anything. It would be no battle. You actually had to fight. If you simply started doing the right thing in all that you do, everybody... No, I don't see them either. I don't see them as dumb, and I don't even see them as idiots with the mask sort of thing. They, um, you've got to realise the propaganda that was pushed on a lot of people about this situation, mate. Like, um, sadly, a lot of us believe the, the media, and um, this was the, the big issue instead of, you know, real science and real, um, you know, health reasons. That, um, we are propagandised, and once we start realising that, and the media is against us, and it's just all one big stage and script, not for our good, but for the good of those, then you start really realising and you can put yourself on guard now, see? There's a lesson learned. So look at the bright side of that. There's there's a lesson learned. You've opened your eyes a bit clearer now and you can see the propaganda coming at you in the next little run that they're going to try, whatever that may be. You know, but who's going to do that? Everyone's kept in this state of financial slavery. We're taught that we have to exploit everybody and everything around us. It's remarkable, really. I mean, you go through school and we're given all these guidelines about how you have to be a decent person and helpful and all that sort of stuff. And yet, then you go to business and you're told that you need to be ruthless in business, you know, which is basically, so you've got to be a good person, but you need to be a sociopath as well. You know? It's ridiculous. It's, it's incredible how programmed people are. So once you start seeing how all this works, 
know. I mean, it's a time of great opportunity, Brad. It really is. And and I am seeing a huge, uh, huge shift in consciousness throughout the whole world. And I think it's it's a responsibility for people like us that are doing podcasts to, to point out the, the positive side of that and to point out the empowering side of it and to point out the personal side of it to people so they realise that they are their own solution. There are no leaders. And it's even if you get leaders, you, you start a movement and put a leader in place. Well, they just take out the leader or they compromise the leader or whatever. But if everybody leads themselves, believes in themselves, all you really need is what we said before, like you were saying elder, someone that can give advice when it's needed. But ultimately, all the answers are within you if you just believe in yourself. And so many of us have put podcasts and put stuff out there now that, I mean, there's so much advice out there already. So, uh, you know, perhaps you could just look there and, and see the opportunity that this brings. You know? and, and be a change in your own community. Be a shining light in your own community. Others will want to emulate that. That's how you change the world. I do agree with you that there is some kind of critical mass building up. I mean, um, circumstances versus information. So information going up, circumstances getting um, more and more extreme, development speeding up in a certain way. I think there is a critical mass development. I, I would agree with you. And um, I also sense in what you're saying that there is an opportunity for people to just snap out of it, snap out of this, uh, let's say, trance from which they are about to wake up, uh, which is dangerous, but uh, awakening moment being possible. I, I agree with that. That is an option. Um, I do see also desperation on the side of, let's say, the, the combine, the, the, the our would-be masters. They seem to be forced into flight forward mode. Uh, speeding up things. Uh... I do see between now and 2030, what we just went through in 2020 to 22, pretty much. That's just going to look like kindergarten compared to what these mongrels have got planned for us, guys. That was just a that was just a trial, just to see how many they've still got left, how many out there are gullible enough or can be influenced enough by them. Yeah, it was a big study. That's all it was, man, and a, and another divide as well. Can't come to my Christmas. Then gathering all this and that. Yeah, um, you haven't had this, you haven't had that. Uh, also, they are, play, but even, they are, but they are, but even with that, they're way behind schedule, you know, with what they've been doing. I mean, even when you look at this, the, uh, they were going to take out five countries or five countries in seven years. They said that in 2007, which was, was Iraq and Syria and, you know, all the, they've only, well, now we're in 2024. They still haven't taken out Lebanon and, and Iran. So they're way, way behind in their plans, you know, and uh, so that, that's something to consider as well. I mean, in many ways, we, we've got this. He's um, mentioning a quote um, or an interview by, I think his name was Wesley Butley, something like that, very close to it. Um, it's come back, um, yeah, quite a few, couple of years ago. So like he said, yeah, their plans aren't really fulfilled yet uh, to where they wanted to get. They've still got Iran under the bloody watch, that's for sure. They've been pushing that one for years. If we don't uh, allow ourselves to fall into their traps. And uh, this is what I was saying before. Believe in yourself and believe in the people around you because people are terrified of standing up. But if you can simply believe in yourself and believe in the people around you, in La Cash, I am another yourself. And we all stand up together. Because you know, people are frightened. They, they see what's going on and they're frightened to stand up. They, they want there to be a leader. 
you know, and we've got this really, all you've got to do is respect your neighbours, put down all his stuff, all his arguments, these silly, silly, petty little things that we argue about and realise we're all in this together. This is a huge opportunity, brother. Sorry to butt in, but uh, I just wanted to say that. Yes, so I'm familiar with people focusing on very small things uh, when the house is burning down, trying to change the curtains and uh, and let's say uh, the furniture when the house is burning down. So I, I think that's true. Um, I do see a, a certain amount of desperation on the side of the, of the cabal, let's say, the, the combine. Um, close off our, uh, our interesting and uh, very precious talk. I would like to offer one more find, uh, uh, which I find important, but then I would like to hear your take on the next year, 2024. Um, there is always this predictive programming element. It goes through Hollywood, it goes through the social media, it goes through advertisement. There is this weird movie come out lately. It's, uh, how is it called? Go out of the world, leave the world behind. Yes, that's how it's called. Leave the world behind by no less than uh, Barack and uh, Michelle Obama, whatever gender they belong to. And uh, these people, um, they are rambling on in that movie about some kind of a respect of a, of a cyber attack, the net going down, the electricity uh, going down, people being forced back into survival mode with actual uh, white nationalist survivalists uh, entering in the movie in the form of Kevin Bacon. Um, so that seems to be something that's uh, in the air, that's being felt, that's being probed. But more importantly, uh, what are your takes? What do you expect for the next years, even in great lines? We are not in the predictive business, but we can uh, see a dialectic logic at work. We can see developments. Um, we can draw trajectories ahead. How do you see things uh, panning out for the next years going forward from this great reset? I wouldn't be surprised if it is even something like the, what we saw in that film, uh, Leave the World Behind, and some sort of a cyber attack, the, the grid goes down. I would fully expect the uh, US dollar to go down for them to lose their place as well a reserve currency. If this escalates into a war with Iran, then I would expect that to happen. Uh, I don't think the United States would survive a war against China and Russia and Iran. I really don't. It spread its resources too thinly. Um, and even an interesting thing in that war was the uh, the propaganda leaflets. In that film, the propaganda leaflets that were being dropped. Now, some areas were getting leaflets that were written in Arabic. So you think it was a Muslim invasion. Some were getting yes, leaflets Korean. written in Chinese, you know, some were in Korean. So nobody knew who was attacking them. Nobody knew where the bombs were coming from. Uh, interesting sort of stuff. I mean, like I said, it would be really easy to do something like that and, and to bring down the United States from within. And uh, it, it's all dependent upon this world reserve currency and the, the, the whole, like they've got to bring in this great reset, the one belt, one road, China. They want the Chinese system. It's important for people to understand this. They want that Chinese system, the 15-minute cities, the social credit, and they want that in all Western countries but they've got to do it in a believable way. You know, with what's going on with the outrage in Gaza, I mean, thousands of people, millions of people just being genocided, children being genocided. The whole world is outraged about it. And if 
the Arab world were, were to unite or Russia was to say we've had enough or whatever and simply attack all the countries that are supporting this. It's been a 10-nation coalition that's uh, forming to go against Yemen. Um, this, this could easily be used as an excuse why World War Three happened because of Gaza and why all of our countries got destroyed. And that would just naturally build back into these 15-minute cities in this Chinese system. That's just what would happen. They do it under the guise of protecting people. Oh, we need digital this, we need digital that, because we've got so many people here stranded and blah, 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 and war's broken out and blah, blah, blah. We've got all these displaced people, so we need to tag and catalogue everybody. It's for safety, you know. The bigger way to do it, um, I, I think it was a really interesting scenario in, uh, in that film about how it would be if they shut the grid down. You know, the ships were grounding, planes falling out of the sky. Uh, it would be a believable way to do things. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there is a certain element of predictive programming in there. And uh, I, I fully expect um, 2024 to be far more dystopian than it's been for the last couple of years. And it's been remarkably dystopian since 2020. I mean, you couldn't even script this. If you, I was saying the other day on one of my shows in 2019, if you wrote a movie script to cover the last four years, it would be too far-fetched. People wouldn't believe it. And yet we've just lived through it. It's remarkable now. We, well, we don't even know what a woman is anymore. It started off as two weeks to flatten the curve. And now we've got transgenderized children. We don't know what a woman is. We, 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 when they want us to eat bugs. You know, it, it's unbelievable what they've managed to get away with. So um, I think a lot of what they're doing with Gaza is to push us into some sort of a world war situation. Just to really just push it and push it and push it until the world has to respond. There's no choice. You've got to step in to stop the genocide. And when that happens, Israel, it won't survive where it is. And so they're going to need somewhere to go to, which is what a lot of this in Ukraine is about as well. Now, like I said, they've been funneling a lot of money, uh, depopulating the place, laundering a lot of money through the place, but uh, really depopulating it. Like they've been sending people from 18 to 60 to the front, sending women to the front, but beautiful Ukrainian women sending them to the front to be killed by Russian tanks. They even develop body armor for pregnant women in Ukraine. So they can send pregnant women to the front. I mean, seriously, and people can't see this is about depopulation. Of course it is. So I think we're going to see a huge shift, brother, a huge shift. I mean, Israel will stay there in as much as it'll, it'll stay there basically as a port for the, for the Ben Gurion uh, canal system, but not really as the, the, the country of Israel as it is. Maybe it'll look that way on the surface, but most of the people who are there now will be moving to Ukraine. That's what Ukraine's going to be about because that's going to be a key player in the, uh, in the Belt and Road Initiative and also as such a major food producer as well. Well, the whole area there was set up as an industrial basement for shipment. Really, when you look back at bloody um, 1937-ish, you know, the Balfour Declaration and bloody um, the Rothschilds behind it all. Um, so it was just made up as a bloody state anyway for this Bengarian Canal that's going to go, <laughs> coincidentally enough, through Gaza. Very interesting, isn't it, how things work out? Just a coincidence, though. That's, there is a final thing we still have to ask. Um, you are now addressing indirectly or directly um, a large audience uh, of, let's say, the ex-dissident right, people that belong to that group. 
um, what would you advise as an elder? What would you advise? Oh, it's yeah, yeah. The women in the army. Oh, yeah. They've even got um, Israel was flirting off a couple of weeks ago. Their new um, tactical vest um, thing that's actually got a bubble in it for the baby for the bulge of the stomach. Unbloody believable. Visitors uh, from all kinds of views and stripes, um, as a as an attitude, as a, a new way for the new year, as a response to all the things that are being done to us and uh, happening to us. What do you think dissident speakers, dissident thinkers, dissident... It was the same with the women's liberation movement. Oh, how do we get two taxes? You know, the Rothschilds schemed up. Oh, let's bring up cigarettes, e equality. That's how the women's rights movement come about. It had nothing to do with women's rights. It was about getting women into the workforce to pay more flicking taxes to the big boys. Um, activist should be focusing on what is important what sports correction would you would you like to see what development would you like to see finally i'd like to see people get in touch with their life skills you know ultimately if you're if you're out there speaking to people we could be seen as being taking the role of a teacher and the the the, the objective ultimately of a good teacher is to make themselves irrelevant make themselves uh, obsolete you know, you need to be creating leaders amongst the people that are listening to you, inspiring people to lead by example, be a shining light in their community and uh, get in touch with their life skills. And, and also, like, speak out and do what you can to address the issue. But if it gets to the point where it's just going to turn into what it is, then find a way of going grey so you can get through the other side without really being noticed you know, too much. Get in touch with your life skills, because, I mean, this system is going to crash and burn. How that happens is, is anybody's guess, but it's going to crash and burn. What's going to be important is what comes out the other side. I can't see any way of stopping this system crashing and burning now. I mean, unless people were to stand up in the next six months and literally stand up and throw their governments out and hold them to accountable and get the world back to what it's supposed to be, you know, I mean, can we really honestly see that happening they keep people so distracted all the time I mean, even when people wake up and all this sort of stuff all these movies and there's this and arguing about details of whatever you know was this real was it fake was it this was it that you know rather than looking into the bigger picture so um no matter how much we try to inspire people they seem to fall back into that fall back into that programming so really like i said be a be a shining light in your community Inspire to create leaders in your community by being a great person to be around, be the best you can possibly be. And ultimately, you realize that we're all in this. It's a solo journey. You know, you're here to grow your soul. If you can help other people along the way, that's a great thing. And if people do stand up and wake up to the power that they've got, we can change the world. But if that doesn't happen, well, you need to find a way for you to get through. You know, one of the, the big things they've done with us is they've uh, removed all of our life skills from us. Most people don't know how to survive without living off a food truck. It's something I often say that we're all truckatarians now. Doesn't matter what it is you, you get. I mean, everything in your house came off a truck, whether it's food, whether it's the pen that you write with, the chair you're sitting on. You know, most of this stuff you didn't build or grow yourself, so it all came off a truck. And we don't know how to do anything anymore. So. It's an opportunity to do that as well, because if the system does crash and burn, well, what are you going to do? You're not going to be able to go to the supermarket and just buy food. You're not going to be able to have people just deliver your stuff from Amazon. You're going to have to actually look after yourself. So 
You know, we're at that time, brother. All of this is a, is an opportunity for us to become more human. The system has taken our humanity away from us for all the good things that the system offers us, all the cute little perks and the conveniences and all this sort of stuff. We've lost touch of what it means to be a human being. And that's the most dangerous situation for us to be in. This is something I said in my first film back in 2008. The system was due to come eventually uh, from the um, thing that was brought in at Jekyll Island through the Federal Reserve. That was a um, thing started and that was going to collapse eventually. The system could not handle it any longer and we've reached the boiling point of that sort of um, collapse, I think. We've been set up. One of the things that's happened with this international codependency and this, this moving of people into cities is we've lost touch with our life skills. So over the last two generations, we don't know how to do anything anymore. It's what all the whole apprenticeship's all about. Become a, get a trade, become a mechanic or a plumber or a builder. Don't learn how to do all of them. What do you think Just bricks is forming at the thing, moment? You know? and one big that's, reason that's why. what a lot of this has been about as well. So, you know, it takes people's you know, humanity away from My them. opinion, anyway. We've got to get back in touch with that and we've got to inspire other people to want to get in touch with that. That's the, the most important part. It isn't about how big your front door is and what your university degree is. It's about whether you can go and play Bit of a glitch thing. Build a, a shelter for yourself, whether you can help people. It's an opportunity for that, brother. It's an opportunity for us to and, uh, be the best that we can be. And that's what I hope will come from this. And that's really going to be the only way out of this mess is for people to get back in touch with humanity. And like I said, I can't see any real way of stopping this unless people suddenly have this epiphany and the whole world stands up and, and go, oh, my God, I, I see it now. Yeah, but honestly, can you see that happening? Too many distractions. So, you know, plan for all options, brother. Plan for all options. And if you have to, be prepared to go grey so you get through the other side. So at least whatever crashes and burns, whatever comes out the other side, we have a large degree of awake and aware human consciousness that will move forward and lead us back to what we should be. Very good. Well, on these wise words, we'll end the program. Uh, I thank you for your time. I thank our audience for their attention. I wish they take uh, these wise words to heart. Okay, now just give me two minutes, so please don't all flood me or anything if you want to call in. I just need to go get some more tea bags. I'm out of green tea. You can't have that. And um, I I need to um, actually find my headphones, <laughs> which I've been having a habit lately of um, them falling down near the side of my bloody bed. So that's a mission on its own for at least 20 seconds. <laughs> all right, guys, I'll, I'll catch you in about two minutes. You'll hear me when I come back and we'll, um, we'll kick off the um, uh, call-ins for just over. Yeah, we've got a good 40 minutes, roughly. Oh, yeah, 35 minutes. All right, I'll be back in a sec.
Alrighty. Alright. Get this kettle poured in here. Look at that. Top it up. Beautiful. The beverage tonight, my friends, is jasmine and green tea. Whoa. Heavy shit, guys. Look out. And a nice chemical-free cigarette. What do you think about that? Eh? Nectar of the gods and the breath of life. Alright, open lines, guys. Anyone's welcome to call in. Don't have to... Any topic, whatever you like to talk about or bring up something that was brought up in that. I just got to get my headphone hooked up here. Now that I've got it in my head, well, I've got it in my ear, and it's not connected to my device. I do not know. Jeez, <laughs> uh, here we go. That's a better. All right, that's my my professional ten dollar headphone set. <laughs> no mixer, no fancy headphones, and we rock and roll. That's how we do it here in South Australia. Strange days. I used to actually do my broadcast from the car. Actually, I had a down pat where I could hold the phone. I used to do it on my old phone, and um, and it worked out pretty good. I remember my mum come over in the back seat once when she visited, and she's just watching it go. And she goes, "How the hell do you know what you're doing?" I said, "I don't know. It just comes automatic. I mean, my hand goes down here. It's like you wouldn't know it. Just listen, and you just go. He's just sort of sitting there, you know, having his beers and all that, and carrying on like an idiot." <laughs> But yeah, I used to have it down pretty pat near the balance, the sounds and all that. The problem that a lot of people had, and I actually done it myself the other day because I was a bit excited about a song, is that we play it too loud. Um, I always say, get it to that comfortable spot and just probably go down one and you'll get a perfect sounding, um, if you're using two devices, that is. Little, little tricks to the trade, guys. And for those that didn't hear, I'm proud to announce that I am locked in now for a permanent slot every night, seven days a week from 10 till 12 p.m. Australian Adelaide time. Finally, it only took me what? I don't know how many years to actually get my finger out my bum and get around and do it. So it's done. Signed, sealed and delivered, which is going to help bring up the crew. People will know a certain time now instead of me just popping in whenever. Well, I did today because they're just the odd ones that will still happen. <laughs> Can't help myself. You'll still get the odd ones that just sort of come in when I just decide that's it, time to rock and roll, which I usually do, which I just done then. Well, with Max, I'm usually going to listen to him anyway, so I thought, well, why not enjoy it with other people and I can add something while I'm listening. That's why I like presenting him live, you know. I mean, I could rip him. Yeah, I could do that and just put him up, but I enjoy a bit of adding my own little thoughts to him and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I just think it makes it a little bit more exciting. Yes, that's what I think. So yeah, yeah, big big times ahead, man. Yeah, it's good. I'm really looking forward to it now. I've actually, um, yeah, I'm actually doing it. I've been wanting to do it. I know it's the best way to do a podcast, and I recommend that to anyone that wants to start getting into podcasting. Try and be regular, guys. You know, try and just get that slot, even if it's half an hour. You know, it doesn't have to be a whole two hours. I mean, I don't mean to do two hours. I'm quite happy just to do an hour show. But um, it's amazing how quick it goes. At first, it is daunting to people to even think that you've got to do that. You don't have to do that. Just start off light. Just start with half an hour shows, you know. 
even if it's 15 minutes, just do a 15 minute show, get the roll going, and you'd be surprised, you know, like where you go from there. So, yeah, man, here's a song for you, Tick. <laughs> yeah. too long <laughs> I just got a little compilation thing that I sort of put together here I'll give it five more minutes if no one's going to call in I'll um I'll clean this up nice and tight anyway because I'll be back on later so we're coming up to about the hour and a half mark anyway so that's fine two minute talk show you reckon <laughs> Hey, it all starts. Whatever makes you comfortable. Some people find it very daunting and they want to do something. It might take two minutes. Hello, introduce yourself even. It might take you a week to keep introducing yourself, but you'll get there. You'll eventually get there. But believe you me, I'm quite happy. I know it's daunting doing a two-hour show. It is on people mentally. And um, I, I find between around 45 minutes is pretty good to an hour. Um, usually people will listen more than having a two-hour show. They find it a little bit overpowered. But like I always say, if it's over two hours, I mean, if it's a two-hour show, break it up in the, you know, quarters. Listen half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, and half an hour. You don't have to listen to it all at once, you know. Especially with mine, it's usually diverse, you know. So it'll be one clip to another, you know. I try to keep it down, you know. If it's anything over 20 minutes now, I'd rather just put up as an actual presentation on the pod podcast site like make it an actual just show on its own so that's how i roll now i want to keep it under at least 10, 10 minutes would be a max if i ever played something on here now i think because i don't know just don't vibe with me right just to sit here and just put a whole show on or virtually half the show just in someone else when i can just produce it if it's going to be that long and um I had one the other night, I just had little one-minute one clips. That was really good. Little bits and pieces and things like that come up. Now, I brought up a, just before I started this, I've just put an interesting one up about the moon, which I still haven't seen here in South Australia for three to four nights now. I think the aliens didn't pay rent tick and God decided to take his um, real estate back home. <laughs> You're not paying rent? I'm taking her back. <laughs> Bit of a mystery, that one, I can tell you. It was next to Neptune for the last, what, four to six weeks or whatever. And all of a sudden, she ain't freaking there. It's like, what happened to my moon, man? I used to say hello, I feel lonely every night. Now I've got to say hello to all that them stars that just stand out. That's a lot of hellos, I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I am weird. I even talk to plants. Very weird man, for sure. In all things, give thanks. There's a reason for that, guys. It's the vibration of that thank you. It's been proven. Remember that guy in Japan that done that experiment years ago? Mokuwatsu. I just made up the name. Sounds legit. And he, um, he showed you the power of speech. I mean, we know that a word is presented by its meaning, you know. I mean, we could have a curse word, I gather. I was often thinking, mate, that could mean, in your language, a positive thing. 
And there is terror, for instance. Terror to us in the West, that's a bad negative vibe. But I'm pretty sure it's in Tehran or Iran. Uh, it might be another country, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Iran or around the Mediterranean that terror actually means love. So I would gather if you said terror in that language, you would present the ice molecules in the shape of love and, and structure. Then if we said terror, I would gather that's where it's more from because obviously the water doesn't understand English. <laughs> but it understands intention, if you know what I mean. It'd be like if you went up to a plant and touched a leaf and you said terror in one language, that, that vibration of love would come out. Where if we said terror in our language, it'd be a vibration of terror, fear. Anger, anxiety, these other issues that come with that. Interesting thought, guys. I've never seen it studied, but I'm sure it would be true. Because he's done the study with the rice, if anyone hasn't seen that. Where he actually um, got three bowls of rice. He said love to one. He ignored one and cursed another one. And I think it was two weeks he'd, he'd done it. And then after the two weeks, the one he said love to was pure and um, looked like it was drinkable. This is water with rice. And then the second one he ignored was murky, going a slight brownie black colour. And the one that he cursed was completely black and rancid and um, looked like a pile of sludge. That's just one therapy. They've even done it with plants, you know. They've had a guy come into the room um, say three people two of them touched it and said hello how are you and sent it love and you know i love you and all that and walked past and, walked. and then one of them came in and shook it and said i hate you and all this sort of thing and the plant actually picked up picked up on the um uh, those little tr things that they clip onto them and it, before as soon as that person entered the room the plant picked up on the vibrations of that person and remembered that person there's a lot to nature that we just don't um, think about. There's a plant in um, over in uh, Africa where the giraffes eat, and they actually communicate with each other. They let out like a pheromone that as soon as the giraffe starts eating one plant, they let out this um, well, message, pheromones, I guess, and the other plants create a bitterness in their leaf. Yeah, it's a proven study. Well, they communicate with each other so they don't get eaten. Very interesting. Welcome to the room, Jeff. How you going, mate? Just been on a... Hey, South Osman. How are you? Still going slightly short of fabulous, mate. Still going. Still charging. <laughs> Dude, you just... I'm, I'm going to say it again. You just sound tremendous. Thank Your you. show is just really evolving. And, and I'm, I'm just really, really loving your show. I mean, I always had fun listening to you, but man, we're we're getting to the root of some issues now that are worth consideration, and the aspect of wanting or being willing to consider that there's more truth out there than we've been shown, um, and I know it's hard to wake others up to at least consider that these things may or may not exist, but they're certainly worth consideration 
And I think that certain one of us, we're, we're picking up the vibrations of these truths. And we, we may not be getting it completely correct, but I think we're on to something. And there are so many more of us. And if we can just bring one more person into the fold here and there and here and there, you know, in that ripple effect, that butterfly effect, whatever it takes, you know, um, you know, we can stop this madness from taking over the world and, uh, avoid disaster. Um, I, I, I pray for it all the time. And, um, that's, what's really great about how you're, conducting your show now and your guests, you know, you, you guys are really, really smart, very intelligent and uh, well-spoken. And uh, I really enjoy it. It's, it's great. So um, please keep up the good work. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. My ratings are just shut. I was even just broke another record in two weeks of my, this, this morning I got up and I've had 390 downloads on Podbean overnight. You're you're just gonna grow, man. You're just gonna grow. You're gonna people, double again in a month. I guarantee it. People are obviously liking the new Oz, and that's saying something to me just in the numbers for sure. I'm really, really. You you did what you needed to do to get your shit straight, <laughs> and right. and it's and it's and it's the proof is in the pudding, man. Absolutely. Yeah, You've got a great show, and your numbers are there. And they're going to grow. I, I can just feel it. And uh, I think others are going to gravitate towards your show. And they're going to be, you know, very intrigued and interested. And hopefully, can I mean, the, the big word for me is, and, you know, for four years when I started, you know, connecting some dots and doing some digging, I just got a little overzealous, and yeah. I wasn't a good messenger. Most of us, you do. know what I mean. Like, yeah, most of us do. Been there, done that. I, I, I was a little too. I, well, you know, I've been diagnosed as bipolar, so I was probably a little too manic when it all yeah. came crashing down on me. And I was like, "Hey, you motherfuckers, are you not seeing what's going on?" Now, that's not the way to go about it. No. And. Uh, and I, and I screwed up and that's on me. That's on me. Uh, and, and that's the difference between, you know, yeah, I was smart for being able to start connecting the dots, but I wasn't wise in that and how I was going about it. My family being probably. smart and wise is being smart and wise are two different things. Family is probably going to be, Family is your hardest one. There's a lot of a scripture around that talks uh, about that. Geez. A prophet, Oz, a prophet man, is never appreciated family, in their own community. You my know what family I mean? was considering having me institutionalized because of the things I was trying to tell them four years ago. Now, they're like, you know, they had to live it in real time. They They couldn't see it as a forecast like I could. And, um... <laughs> now now they don't want to have me institutionalized but they you know jeez oh, 
I've had many come around and talk to uh, me on different level. And two years ago, I was virtually, um, yeah, out there and just not quite with it. And now they're coming around, they're going, shit, you know, without saying you're right, but they're like telling me, have you heard about this? And I'm like, yeah, I did mention that to you about two years ago. And um, they're actually coming around to certain things that I was telling them where they just would just shook, shook their head uh, before that. So it's incredible to see it's such a good turnaround like that, you know. I, I know, I know. And, you know, like my mom's like, well, Jeff, you know, I am reading the Epoch Times now. And I'm like, oh, geez, well, I guess that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> got to start somewhere, I guess. Eh? I've never really been but, into that. You know, is that a bit of an alternative um, newspaper, is it? Well, she's like, you know, Jeff, you were always so smart. You could read at five years old. They wanted to put me in second grade when I was in in kindergarten. And my dad didn't, my dad didn't let it happen because he was a collegiate athlete, you know, division one football player. Okay. And he didn't want me to be too small in high school. So he wouldn't let him put me in second grade when I was in kindergarten because I could always already read and write. And by the time I was in sixth grade, I had a college reading level. What he was holding but you back to because be of your height. Is that what you're saying? He was holding you back because of your height. Because you were short, my he, it was um, what you said. Like he he didn't want you to go because you were too short for football or something. Is that right? Um, yeah, actually, you know, I'm tall now. I'm a big guy, mm-hmm. but I was a late bloomer. I mean, it, when I started high school and you know uh, ninth grade, I was only five foot tall, hundred and five pounds. And uh, at 17, I entered the military at, uh, you know, just at 5'10", oh, wow. 140 Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... Now I'm just a little over 6'2", and 225 pounds. Huh. Yeah, that's weird. I've always been the tallest yeah. pretty much in all through school. I never had that real jump. I just always was tall, 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 <laughs> all the way through pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of fun to come home, you know, after I, you know, did my six in the military and, and I came home from my 10 year high school reunion, you know, and, uh, I remember there was a couple bullies that I always, oh, geez, I always wanted to beat the shit out of. And, uh, they were sitting at the bar and I walked up to them and, uh. You know, I was benching three fifty, and and uh, you know, I was in, yeah. you know, you know, I told you about the military, mm-hmm. but uh, I walked up to him and patted them both on the back. I said, "How you boys doing?" And they're like, "Damn, Jeff, yeah. is that you, Jeff White?" And I go, "Yeah." Want to bully me now? I go, "Yeah." <laughs> it's good to see you here at the reunion. And they're like, uh, where have you been? I said, I've been all over. I said, but I had to come back here for one reason. And they go, well, what was that? I said, because you two need to get off your ass and go outside, and I'm going to kick the motherfucking <laughs> shit out of you both. Classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they looked, at me, they looked at me, deadpan stared, and I go, ah, I'm just messing <laughs> with you. And I bought them a beer and, I bought them a beer and a shot, and yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, good stuff. Oh, man, I but I like to get—I put the fear of God in him for a second. 
<laughs> I've been looking at use while I bench press every day as a picture on my ceiling. <laughs> and here we meet. <laughs> oh, that's gold. Yeah, that's gold. I like that. Yeah, well, you've done it really good too. You gave him that little bit of a, oh, shit, and then you just, ah, come on, you know, you know. But if they wanted to go through yeah, with it, it would have been yeah, a different story. Yeah, I bought him a beer and he did a shot together and, you know, it's like yeah. – and uh, the, the, they weren't the assholes they were in high school anymore either, you know. Yeah, I just was. I just. Yeah, yeah I've had yeah, that. Everybody does. And that I've come and across it, people it, who it, I had it, troubles it, with at school, and it's just they ended up, Yeah, ended up talking, and and yeah. it, it was really cool. But in yeah, high school, stupid. they were a couple yeah. bastards. They yeah. really were. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was and, the same. Uh, yeah, it's really different. Anyway, life. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then I grew up in a tough high school. Believe it or not, you know, in, in Indiana, you know, we got some big cities, you know, and I always thought the big cities were the rough high schools. Yeah, and then I found out my high school was there's two high schools in my county. And it's very rural, and we led the state of Indiana in violence, teenage pregnancy. And drug and alcohol use. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine was one of the most violent. Um, I was at a boys' school. That was one of the most, probably close to the second to top um, in that area in the western suburbs. Yeah, mine was pretty rough. We used to have full nunchucks and everything and bloody on the station. I mean, full station fights and everything. Uncles would turn up and freaking bats and everything. Yeah, it was pretty wild at my school. It's like something out of Dude, the In my high yeah. school, we had, we had, we had, we had women rolling around in the in the in the hallways fighting. I yeah. mean, it was it was rough. These were farm kids and kids. I thought of, you went to a male school uh, as well. Didn't you go to a boys' school? Factory. Uh, didn't you say you went? Pardon? I thought you said you went to a boys' school. That might be someone else I was thinking of. Then. No, 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 no. Oh, it was someone no. else. Just broke it. Yeah. 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 What do you call it, Avery? But Cohen? um. Uh, there was a uh, very prestigious school in our county. It was known as Howe, H-O-W-E, Military School. And because uh, I was what was known as a willful child. Isn't that a university? <laughs> a the Howe University? Isn't that a university over there as well? The Howe Institute? Or well, the Howe how mil Military School. Oh, that's where They're I They're the it, cadet. Yeah. It was some sort of school, yeah. And uh, I, had a, I had a job bagging groceries at the uh, little grocery store there in Howe. And I got to know the cadets when they would come in, and I found out. Uh, because my parents, you know, when I would get in trouble in school, they're like, "We're gonna send you to Howe." What's what you state is Howe in? What's is that the same state that you're that you actually it, lived in? Northern Indiana. Northern, Northern oh, Indiana. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it and uh, it, and it's no longer in existence. But for over a hundred years, it was a very prestigious military school. I mean, a lot of a lot of the cadets went on to West Point or Annapolis or, you know, um, um, you know, all the military academies. Um, and, and what I didn't know was, um, see, the cadets, when they came in, the manager would always tell me to watch these kids because they would, you know, in case they were stealing because they had their uniforms on and their heavy coats, especially in the winter. Yeah. 
and uh, and I got to know them, you know, and I found out they were all fucking rich kids, and that had just gotten in trouble. A, a few of them, not all of them, yeah. but a, quite a few of them. So their parents sent them to How to get straightened up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like a military camp sort of situation, yeah. Yeah, it was a military school. It was a military yeah, yeah. academy school. Yeah, right. And uh, so when I found out how much it cost, what the tuition was to go there, and the next time I was sitting at the dinner table and I was in trouble with my parents, and they said, you're about this close to being sent to how and i said oh yeah <laughs> i want to see i said fine i want to see you stroke the i want to see you stroke that check for that tuition yeah i could imagine it'd be pretty <laughs> pricey yeah yeah <laughs> you know instead yeah, of these juvenile prisons just... i reckon they should do that they should do like a military prison if uh, yeah but you know what the, you know the interesting thing was is I signed up for the military at 17 just to get the hell out of a bad house in a small yeah. town. Yeah, I'm sure you're not the only one. No, no, no. Indiana puts a lot of lot of people in the military. Yeah. A lot of farm boys. Is it still running to today? Military. Is how still running today? Is a is it the same No, sort? it got shut down. Um and, I mean they just I don't know what happened um they even went co-ed and tried to keep it going and uh the campus has been bought and they're going to turn it into some sort of college oh, okay but uh i mean it, it's a beautiful campus okay, they, um, they've already got the infrastructure there. Why the, not? Building, yeah. the buildings are all they're all indiana limestone buildings i mean it's i mean it's in it, Good night, yeah yeah, so it's going to become up, so. some sort of it's it's going to be some sort of university is what I understand, and they're they're uh, refurbishing everything right now, and uh, they're going to turn it into a university of some sort. Hmm. Why not? Yeah, you got all the infrastructure there. It'd be a good idea. It would be a stupid idea not to really. I hate these things yeah. when I got that. Do, and they just do you watch American movies? Oh, Did you ever watch the movie Taps? Caps, was it? Or Taps? Um, doesn't ring a bell either. Um, it had a lot of it had a lot of um, very young, big name actors in it. Tom nah. Cruise was in it. Um, Sean Penn was in it. Jeez, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Anyway, it was uh, George C. Scott was in it. Um, Anyway, it was about a military school like how, and uh, they got in trouble with the townies, you know, and uh, they got locked down, and uh, then they brought in the state police and the FBI, and 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 the students held them off with uh, with ammunition and guns and. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds interesting. Um, yeah. If you ever get a chance, if you ever get a chance, it's called Taps. Taps. Okay. T A P S. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that yet. It's, it's sort of like a real life scenario, really. You could actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 no, no. It's, it, gosh, it was like when that movie came out. And then we found out that how 
had an arsenal <laughs> with tons of guns and tons of ammunition. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I could virtually turn into a real life scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I like movies. Like Absolutely. That. There's a possibility that this could actually happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but if you ever get a chance, seriously, uh, watch the movie Taps. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, very young A-list actors in that. The only one that keeps coming to mind, and, Stripes. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty yeah, Stripes. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty well done. With Bill one. Murray. Yeah, yeah, Bill Murray. Man. Stripes is absolutely yeah, hilarious, was, isn't it? Just walking down the street. <laughs> Do yeah, that was well done, that one. I enjoyed that. No, but I'll look that up, Taps, yeah. Yeah, good yeah. one. John, yeah, Taps, though, seriously. Seriously, watch that movie. I yeah, think it it'll blow your mind. It, hey, we'll, uh, we'll it's rubber. pretty intense. It's 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 almost kind of like a Rambo movie in a way. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah. So what made them? Yeah, actually I think tick, what, what made them actually what ticked them off to actually go into that level of um, you know the way they went was it a government issued uh, with the government? No, they they were gonna they well just like how um, this it was gonna get shut down. Ah, uh, and you. it had a lot of. Uh, you know, history and uh, there, there was a lot, to, you know, to the ability to get through the program and to be uh, graduated from that because then, you know, usually went on to the academies <laughs> and uh, just like how uh, that's so what was but uh yeah george c scott was george c scott do you know who he is he played Patton. did you ever see the movie Patton? yeah i did i yeah i, I don't i didn't know that was his name but i know him by face yeah yeah well he played the uh you know the head of the of the uh, academy and yeah. good uh, actor yeah anyway perfect position for yeah him, well there's just tons of tons of it, great acting is in this movie. Yeah, and, it was really uh, good in Patton. Yeah. Oh, very good. Couldn't really picked a better character, and, and, really. Yeah, and I don't want to give too much of the movie away nah, because yeah. I would really like for you to watch it. Pull it up somehow if you can. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll talk sometime and tell me what you think about it. Cause, we'll do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was good ending yeah. because Chat. we're we're actually going to um they're going to cut cut us out in about another couple of minutes. So, was there anything else you had to add? And you your your clock's ticking away before the big um off you go into the bush for your ninety days. So, you, what do you've only got about five six days? I left. I, I know <laughs> I know, but actually, um, we postponed it seven more days. Oh, okay. Yeah. You might be able to get your game uh, of two, um, bowling two, in with. Two, two. <laughs> We got a couple guys that uh, have some things they got to take care of first, so um, that's fine because it's getting cold as shit here right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, really, really cold outside right now. It's it's starting to snow again, and uh, yeah. Mm. 
Well, on that note, mate, I might just shut shut the show down because they're going to shut it down anyway in a couple of minutes. So, well, um, yeah, so I'm going regular now. So in about about three and a half hours from now, I'll start um, every night from South Australia, 10 p.m. And whatever you can work out, just type in Adelaide in your world clock thing and you'll see the time zone differences or what time Yeah, I'm going to take a – maybe I'll take a three-and-a-half-hour nap and wake up yeah. and catch you with a cup of coffee. Well, it's in the lineup. I'll put them up every day. We'll, I'll put them in advance. But at least it converts it on Podbeam to your time, which is well, really good. What time is it there right now? It's uh, 6.23, nearly 6.30 at night. <clears throat> So, yeah. Oh, 6.30 at night? Yeah. Thursday, 6.30. Nearly, yeah, 20, nearly 25 past. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm at I'm at 2.30 in the morning right now. Okay. Either way, I'll be publishing it anyway. So, yeah, I'm just going to do an hour and 15 of my own stuff. That's the just routine. Just promise me you're going to watch Taps because I'm going to – I guarantee you're just – you're going to dig that – you're going to dig it. It's from the 80s. Okay. Yeah. I haven't got Netflix or anything like that, but I'll see what I can do anyway. I'll have a look around. And and please, hey, please, man, the tone and frequency and resonance in your voice is, you're killing it, dude. You're killing it. And I'm so proud of you. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. really do. Yeah. Keep up the good work, man, because we need it. And you have such wonderful guests on. That are very, very smart, very intuitive, and yeah, yeah. We're so in... I'll catch you later. All right. Okay, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, good catching up with you again. All right, Jeff. All right, guys. Well, we. They're gonna... All right. Good night. Good night, mate. Yeah. Well, they're going to end the um, night, show fella. soon, so I'll um I'll just take it out with something as it's um cutting us out. So thanks for joining, guys. This will be up in probably about fifteen minutes, as I usually do. Um, I'll get it up straight away, but Pod usually takes about fifteen twenty before it kicks in. So um, all of my shows, obviously, will be broadcast after it. And, um, and then we'll see us on the permanent start tonight. It was a pretty much, well, pretty much last night it kicked off and the rush of poo come to the brain. So you might just have to put yourself on mute if you're still up there, um, Jeff, and I'll just put this out on an outro. And we'll catch us all a bit later. Whoever's around, if not, listen to it after as a download, I guess. All right, take care, all. Keep, dub- hey, keep doubling those downloads.